friends, I couldn't be more excited today. I am talking with the TikTok superstar, Peelies and Petals, about canning. Sarah is an absolute expert when it comes to food preservation and has been doing it for decades since childhood. And she just has so much wisdom to share. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation and get some inspiration to start preserving in new ways on your homestead. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Everybody, I am so excited to be here tonight. I am talking with Peelies and Petals, Sarah. She's an Instagram and a TikTok star, and she's a little bit all over the place on the internet. And she just knows so much. I've been watching a lot of her videos and seeing her recipes and being so inspired. And I consider myself kind of an experienced canner and preserver, but watching her videos, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot more I could be doing. And I'm so excited to have her here with us today. If you aren't already inspired, to be preserving and canning and all of the things with food you really need to follow her but one of the things I watched recently is she was sharing just mending clothes and it just really spoke right to my heart because I love nothing more than being resourceful and not wasteful and so I think we're kindred spirits and I'm really excited that she is here with us today and Sarah before I just go rambling on about how great everything that you do is would you mind just starting us kind of back at the beginning I'm sure we have some listeners who are familiar with you we might have some that are not if we can start at the very beginning and just even with your like childhood where did you come from and how did you get into canning and preserving all of those things okay so first of all thank you for having me I started canning my first canning memory was around the age of seven or eight with my mom in the kitchen doing grape jam from the grape vines that we had on our property so I grew up just outside of Chicago actually about 30 minutes outside of Chicago in Indiana in northwest Indiana and I grew up in this great little region where I was close enough to the city that I could experience different cultures and backgrounds and just people from all different walks of life plus like all the arts and everything but then I also lived far enough away that we had land and we had chickens and we had gardening and canning. And so we had, I, I, I feel so grateful for the area that I grew up in and the family that I grew up with because I got to experience so much at such a young age. And so I come from a long line of canners. Both of my grandmothers were canners. My mother was a canner. And so I really grew up in this kind of lifestyle and environment of, you know, kind of growing your own foods and learning how to preserve those and, you know, grocery shopping in your backyard kind of thing. And it stuck with me. And as I grew older and I got my own place and my own little piece of property, you know, I wanted to continue doing the same. I did have apartments that I lived in, um, in my early twenties. And so I would go to like the community gardens because I didn't have any land and I'd be like shoving jars of food, like underneath the beds and in (laughs) the closets and stuff. And so one of my goals that I set for myself was, you know, I really want to continue on with this lifestyle that I grew up in. And I also want to expand on that. I want to become more self-sufficient and I want to learn how to grow all the things and use all of my resources and get as far away from depending on other people and other things as possible. It's been an amazing experience, but it's, it's a learning curve. You know, everything is always in fluctuation and everything you're always building and rebuilding and learning something new and starting a new project. So 
homesteading to me is one of those areas that your work is never really done. You're just growing into the next phase of it. And I really like that. It's a very rewarding lifestyle. And so that's kind of my background and kind of where I'm headed and the goals that I had for myself and, and my family. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You guys can't see her on the podcast, but she's actually sitting in her, what was a bedroom now, a pantry, what'd you call it? Cantry. I love that. And um, it's, it's stocked shelves all the way to the ceiling, just full of all kinds of canned and preserved things. And she told me a little bit about this room. And to me, it's like a dream, dream of a dream. You know, some people dream of like a craft room, which I guess I want that too. But this room just looks so well organized, like going to the grocery store is what it looks like behind you. <laughs> yeah. And amazing. My followers and my supporters say that a lot when they watch my tutorials and my instruction videos because I'll do things where I come into the cantry and I grab what I'm going to make for a meal that day. And so they're like, wow, it's like a little supermarket, you know, it's it a really shop. Yeah. And it really kind of is. And we like having that food security. And yeah. so that's why we continue to can everything we pull off the shelves. We just continue to replace that. So my question actually that I didn't have written down, but now I want to ask is um, you mentioned, well, I've seen videos of you where you're using produce from other places. What would you say your percentages of like growing yourself and preserving versus, you know, seasonally purchasing or, or getting from friends or whatever, what would you say your kind of ratios are? Yeah, I would say probably 60, 40. 60, we, 60% we can grow successfully enough that we are eating fresh foods during the harvest season right. and enough of that fresh produce to can and preserve for our winter season. So mm -hmm. I live north of the 45th parallel. Our winters are six to seven months long. So for right. us, it's a necessity to be able to grow enough food to sustain us through the winters. But 40% of that, I cannot grow. 40% of that, I don't want to grow. There are <laughs> right. You know, from growing yeah. things, there are some yeah. foods that are more complicated to grow. They would take more time and resources away from me than they would pay our family back in. And so for those types of things, my first go-to is always my local farmers. I try to make friends with all of the local farmers and the, and the local produce areas, it, you know, like the farmer's markets and things like that. That's always my first go-to because then I can actually ask, ask them how is the food grown? Mm. You know, what was used on the food? Are there fertilizers? Are there pesticides? Are there things like that? Are they GMO? Are they non-GMO? I can have those conversations with those people and really understand how my food came to my table. And then if I can't do that, then I go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's always best in canning to have as little time frame in between the time the food comes off the vine and the time you put it in the jar, right? So there are certain things like say small, small cucumbers that I like to use for pickles. I like to grow those because the sooner I get them off the vine and into the jar, mm -hmm. the better end product I'm going to have. So for me, it depends on, can I grow it in my area with my, with my climate and my mm -hmm. resources? Right. And is it going to be something sustainable. If it's going to cost me more money to do, then that to me is not sustainable. I want to find a sustainable resource for that. And I, I'm very lucky that I can make friends with the farmers in this area. Oh, I love that. We have a bumper sticker that says, know your farmer, know your food, which I mean, that's really what it boils down to. I love it. Okay. So then when you're mapping out your garden and now, I mean, it's kind of that season where everybody's thinking, okay, what seeds am I going to order? And you know, what does that look like? Are you really thinking more about like how much you need to plant to fill your pantry? Or do you kind of just see what you have an abundance of and go from there? I kind of do both. It's kind of a mixture of both. So there are certain foods in our house that I know we go through. 
right? We like corn, we like carrots, we like green beans. I have done this for so long now that I can, all okay, I need to plant 12 green bean plants that will yield this much that will get me through an entire year. My goal is to make it from one grow season to the next grow season, right? So I need to have enough produce in order to, in order to do that. And for people that are just starting out, I always suggest start by mapping what you eat. If you start looking at what you eat and how often and how much of that you eat, mm -hmm. then you can predetermine how much you need to grow. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes crops fail, right? Sometimes you don't get a bumper crop and there's not enough for you to can up or to preserve for the next grow season. Um, and that happens. But in general, you should be able to have a good idea of how many jars of corn do I go through in a year, for example. Mm -hmm. We eat about one jar of corn per week. So I know I need 52 jars. So in order to do that, I know that I need 24 dozen. Now, I don't personally grow corn, but when I go to my farmer, right. I'm going to, you know, do you have 24 dozen cans of corn? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that really breaks it down too when you're thinking week by week or month by month, like how much of this will we eat in a month? And then you can say, oh, I need two jars. I need two gallons. I need whatever. That really right. helps. Fun. Right. On my blog, I have a free downloadable. It's actually part of the LDS manual, which we are not LDS, but there's some really- <laughs> They know how to can though, right? <laughs> they know That's how to sure. can grow. That's the other thing. So in that manual, they have a breakdown of what would you need for a family of four? How, how much of this would you need? How much flour would you need per year if you were baking all of your breads and all of your pastas and all of your baking? How much would you need poundage wise per person? And I refer back to that thing all the time because all the work's done for me, right? And then I just adjust that for what my family actually needs. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. All right. So first, before we move on to my next question, I, I'm curious what all the different ways that you preserve are. I've seen you freeze stuff and dehydrate and can and pickle and ferment, I'm assuming. What yeah. other things, what are all of the things that you do to preserve food? That's pretty much it. I think you pretty <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Freeze and I can, and canning includes water bath canning for high acid foods and pressure canning for low acid foods. I also do some fermenting and pickling, which is like your vinegar brines. My dream goal for myself is to get a freeze dryer. That's that what I was going to ask you. How do you feel yeah. about freeze dryers? I have very mixed feelings about their like energy consumption versus yeah. output. Like, I just don't know if it really makes sense, but what do you think? Energy consumption itself is pretty minimal. It's pretty okay. compared um, to running a dehydrator for 24 hours, Okay, but it's a big expense, yeah. right? You have to really, really want to preserve food that way. The awesome benefit to freeze drying, uh, as opposed to canning is if you're pulling that food right off the vine and you're freeze drying it that day, you are almost losing zero of the nutritional. Really? Uh, yes. So better so than freezing even freeze dried. No, I mean, freeze dried is better than even freezing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I take spinach off the vine and yeah. my off here, I'm not sitting in front of my computer, but if I take <laughs> spinach off of the vine uh -huh. and I freeze dry it that day, I only lose like 4% of the vitamin C. If oh, wow. I get from the store, by the time I get it to freeze dry it, I've already lost over 30% of the vitamin right. C. So, you know, like it, the, the quicker you can get it off the vine into the freeze dryer, it locks in nutritional value. And the other thing that I like about freeze drying, aside from the nutritional value, is you can do a lot of other things. So you can do things outside of canning, like milk and eggs and cheese uh, yeah. and dairy products. So it really kind of expands your pantry also. But yeah, that's a sense for sure. 
Yeah. Are there? Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on. So I mean, you are like a phenomenon on TikTok. I think you. First of all, your videos are wonderful. They're always super informative. You know, TikTok is short videos. I don't actually have a TikTok account, but I've seen a lot of your videos, anyways, via Instagram. And also, people will send them to me because I'm like, can you just send me some of your videos? Because I don't want to actually sign up for an account. I should probably just do it already. But you know my last holdout, but I love what you're doing on there. And you have so much interaction and people are just thrilled with what you're sharing. Cause you're just like the knowledge and wisdom just kind of spills out of you. And it's just a really beautiful thing, but what, how did you get started there? What was your like, Oh, I'm going to start a TikTok account. Was it the big goal to be like the canning expert? No, absolutely not. <laughs> when I opened a TikTok, I didn't make videos for months. Like I just got on there just to watch, just to enjoy it during the pandemic you know, we're all looking for a little bit of entertainment. That one was free. And I used to like to go into the lives where people would, you know, do live videos and interact with their audience. And I used to like to go in those and listen to people. And a, a friend of mine that was on there was on a live and, and I said, well, I've got to go. I'm going to go can up some apple juice. And he's like, you're going to do what? <laughs> and I, oh, I'm going to go can up some apple juice. He's like, you need to show that on a video. I want to do that. Yeah. So like, oh, okay. Maybe I will. And I did. And that first video just exploded. And that's just kind of where it started. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you've been literally like, a, I mean, preserving all this information to be able to share it in such a like digestible way. And one of the things that I loved about a recent video I saw was you were making a raspberry jelly and you were, you were canning it and you were making jelly without pectin, which I know is possible for a lot of different things, but it's not something I've ever done. And you just doing it like, oh yeah, this is no big deal. It was like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal. (laughs) I should try it. (laughs) That's not a big deal at all. I can test it to see if it's ready. I know how to do that, but you know, it just feels like a new animal. So I love how you're breaking things down. So you said you have a blog too, which I haven't even run into. So now I'm going to have to run over there because probably you have all your recipes and stuff over there. I'm wondering. Yeah. I put some of my canning recipes on there and then some additional recipes of like things that I make when I actually open the jars. And then I have like some random stuff like that LDS manual we were talking about and grow manuals and stuff like that. So there's there's kind of a combo on there of a lot of things. I am working on a book currently though. And so that was my next question. Yes. Yay! I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I just, I just entered a contract with a literary, literary, <laughs> literary, thank you, agent. And so she's helping me kind of navigate these waters and get working on that. So I don't know exactly when that will be out or what the time frame is for that, but that is definitely going to have more information in it. A lot of the planning and how to get started along with my tried and true recipes and also things, you know, like what to plant, when to plant it, things right. like that. Oh, nice. From garden to basically. Yeah. I'm hoping, you know, as long as it's not like 600 pages long, I'm going to have to figure out how to make it you That's know digest- yeah can be the food um, preservation bible i love it <laughs> okay so i'm curious if you have any failure stories you'd be willing to share oh yeah absolutely <laughs> a part of can is um learning how to fail gracefully right so anytime you're canning you always are running that risk of failing an entire batch of food and so i i am not immune to this and for little 
over 30 years <laughs> and I'm still not immune to this, right? So I've had canning lid failures before. Obviously, I just had a video on that where I had a seal come undone on my shelves that I had not recognized had come undone and it had grown mold. And I showed everybody what that looked like and how to tell, you know, if something like that has happened and a jar has become unsealed. I've had jars break inside of my pressure canner before that oh. happened. I have a video on that and how to clean it up and just move along with your life, right? I've had recipes that have gone horribly awry because of me. So I I had done a big batch of baked beans and I had forgotten that when you can beans in a tomato sauce, you should probably pre-soak them because um, the, the acid in the tomato sauce and the beans react kind of differently and the beans don't really soak that up the way they should if they're not pre-soaked. So I ruined an entire batch of baked beans. That I, so when I have those failures, when I have those mind farts for better wordage and I make a mistake, I try to immediately make a video on that because I want people to know right. that is learning in the mistakes, right? There's definite learning in the mistakes and canning is like anything else. It has a learning curve to it and you're going to make mistakes along the way, but what is going to keep you safe and what's going to keep your food safe is knowing what to look for when you make those mistakes. Mm, so, yeah. Okay. That's good wisdom. I like it. Okay. So in a lot of your videos, you're using different tools that are often very interesting. I mean, you obviously have canners. One thing that you, Oh, I took a note of this. Cause I was like, what in the world is that thing? The seal back system I yeah. saw. I'm like, what is that thing? Because I just, I literally just bought, um, well, we had a food saver already. And then I bought the like jar attachment thing. Yeah. What is the seal back? Is that an alternative to this other thing? The seal of the little, like, it's like a phone attachment with your phone. Yeah. Yes. So that company contacted me and asked me if I would try out their product. And I said, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, actually kind of fell in love with it. I don't find it as a replacement for my jars, yeah. but I find it as a replacement. Uh, I use it all the time for my avocados. So yeah. those bags are reusable. They're BPA free. They break down in the environment within like under a year. Like they actually do tests where they like bury them to see how long they will break down. They're like an amazingly environmentally friendly product. Wow. Yeah. And so I put my avocados in those seal bags and then it's got a little keychain vacuum sealer that you put in it to remove the air and it's activated by your phone. It doesn't drain the phone battery or it doesn't suck up anything into the phone. It just uses the, you know, kind of power from your phone to fill it. And then you can use that to store food in your free freezer or your fridge. Um, I also use it like when we go camping and I want to put stuff in the cooler and I want to every time I want to vacuum seal something to help keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. I can't really do that when I'm out camping, but I can with that seal of access yeah. system. Yeah, it's just a little phone attachment, right? We always have our phones with us. So that's crazy. Like, um, yeah, that was kind of, it was a very neat and intuitive product. And then I was also really excited about the American made canners because people are always asking about canners, but I mean American made I feel like is such a thing that I'm trying to find more and more American made products, but I was really yeah. excited. And that's not far from you, the factory. Yeah. So it's the Wisconsin Aluminum Foundry. Mm -hmm. that makes the All-American Canner. So the All-American is the brand name and it's made at the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Aluminum Foundry. Say that 10 times fast. And so they had contacted me about a year ago and said, hey, we want to send you a canner because I had, I was on a live one time and I was like, my dream is to have an All-American Canner. That was like my dream because I'd been working wow. on it for a long time. And so they contacted me and they're like, we want to send you a canner. And I was like, that's amazing. Can I come tour your factory? Like I was all over it. I was like, please let me 
the doors. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. Come in. So I, I went down to Wisconsin and I did a tour there. And then their other factory, their finishing factory that actually does all the finishing parts is right here in Escanaba where I live. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they let me tour that factory too. So I was over wow. the moon. That has been an all American made product since the 1900s when they started making canners. Yeah. And that's one of the like Cadillac of canners. Those things will outlive you. The Amish actually give them as wedding gifts. And so they pass down from generation to generation as wedding gifts. They are really, really well made and they, they will literally outlive you. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. Really. Yeah. Cool. And that, yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than American tradition like that. I feel that way about like lodgeware too. Like it's just, it's a neat thing to be able to have something made here that right. you know, is a reliable. Okay. So what are some of your favorite tools besides that camera canner? Is there anything else you would add to the list? If somebody was like, okay, I'm going to start getting, can- start canning. What are the must haves? Must haves are depend on what type of preservation you're doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting out with water bath canning, which is going to be your fruits, fruit juices, pickles, things like that. You basically just need a pot deep enough to completely submerge your jars. Mm -hmm. So water bath canning is often a very budget-friendly way for people to start canning because they only need a very large pot. The other thing I suggest getting is a canning tool accessory kit. Mm -hmm. It comes with your funnel and what I call your ball grabber. It's the jar lifter. It also comes with some other little tongs and things. Everything that you would need as an accessory to canning. If you're going into pressure canning, you're going to need a pressure canner. And people always ask me, well, which one is the best? Well, the best, in my opinion, is all American. That's the best, but not always something somebody can fit into their budget, right? Cause it's like a once time purchase and then you never purchase anything again for that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more expensive. If you don't have the funds to do that, I suggest getting a Presto 23 quart. Mm-hmm. It's large enough that it's, you can grow with it. You can double stack your jars inside of it. You can do large batches at a time, but it's easy enough like the all American where it's beginner friendly. Also the new canners, have a lot of extra safety features on them. I always suggest to new new people that are just getting into canning, get a new canner if you can, um, because the safety features in those are much better than the older canners that were made in the 60s and 70s if you're getting one secondhand. As far as other tools, that's about it. The canners and the accessory kits. Oh, and I would get yourself a ball blue book. That mm-hmm. is the I have to show you. That is like the standard for canning. Those are the American tested and approved recipes that are in there, meaning that, you know, in the 1960s, 50s, our government started testing recipes for home canning. And that's where those recipes can be found. And I always suggest getting that book because it also walks you through all the steps of canning. Yeah. That's a great resource. I've heard people recommend that over and over and over again. And it's interesting. I don't have that book, but I have another one called keeping the harvest. And I've always been really happy with that. And it's a little bit more, it's got more than just canning in it, but I need to just break down and get that book because I know it's the top, top recommendation across the board generally. Multiple editions of that book. So like I have ball blue books from 1912. I have books from the eighties and I have the brand new one. So I try to keep up with, because every year in the new edition, they come out with new recipes, they come out with new guidelines. And I try to keep up with that so I can take a look at what was done back then and what was done now, because I find the history of canning fascinating. (laughs) So I try to collect those old books as well. Well, and that brings up a good point because I think there are some like, 
there, well, I'm even in one, there's like the rebel canning group or something like that. I think that's what it's called where, you know, people make up not different rules, I want to say, but there's different guidelines in America, even then across the globe. And, you know, you just have to realize that the FDA has some thoughts about things or USDA. I'm not sure who regulates that. Would that be USDA or FDA? NCHFP, the National Center for Food, Home and Preservation. Oh, wow, whole thing for it. Okay. Yeah, thing for it. So in the American thing. So uh, when I do my TikToks and my tutorials and I teach my online classes, mm-hmm. I really focus in on your kitchen, your rules, meaning mm-hmm. I'm going to do my kitchen, what I'm going to do. And then you decide if that is comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, and if you only want to follow approved steps and approved methods and recipes, then absolutely do that. The important part is that you're preserving food and you're taking care of your family, right? And you're creating a sense of food security. How you get from A to B is completely up to you. Just like driving your car. If I don't feel comfortable going (laughs) miles over the speed limit, I'm not going to. That doesn't mean the car next to me can't go around me and do that, right? right? So kind of like that in canning. In my Facebook group as well, I stress this a lot. There are countries and cultures that do not have the same resources that we do. They don't have pressure canners. And so they water bath can everything for like three hours. That's how they were taught. That's how they do. And that's how they're going to continue to do. I don't ever anybody for how they preserve their food, Mm -hmm. but I do go over what I'm comfortable with, what Mm -hmm. is right and true in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can make the decision if they want to follow in those same footsteps or if they want to stick to a very strict guideline. That's, that's everybody's personal choice. And I, and I commend people for making those personal choices based mm-hmm. on what they feel comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I saw you can, which brought this up for us, cause we've had this controversy in our home, uh, was the garlic, honey, garlic that you, the hundred year garlic, I think you call yeah. it. Fermented, yeah. And so we have actually done something similar with olive oil and not to um, really just to preserve the garlic and to use it for an extended period of time. And if you look in one canning group, they're like, oh, you can't do that. You're going to die. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then in another group, they're like, oh, I've been doing that for years. It's totally fine. So <laughs> you really have to just, you just have to know your crowd. And any, yeah. anyway, there's just a lot of, and I, I think I heard somebody else talking about this who happened to be Asian. They were just talking about, you know, how they preserve things over there, like the FDA or, or whoever you just said would never approve, but they've been doing it for hundreds of years. And there are a lot of things that across the board, you know, I think that may have made sense at one time, like pasteurizing our milk and our cheeses and all of those things and our honey. But I think in the long run, it's really killing us on a health level. And so it's one of those things where we need to be thinking about this a little differently than we have maybe for the last a hundred years, because that's really when all of these rules even came about because before that people were on their own, like figure it out, you know? Like, right. So anyway, that's all very interesting. I love your, your, I guess your disposition on that. We fall in the very same place, I think. Okay. So what are your most favorite things to preserve? Let's see. The easiest things to preserve, the ones that I like because they're quick in and out, like, you know, yeah. super meats. I definitely oh. like canning? Yes. canning. I love what? canning chicken and beef and taco meat and meatballs and stuff like that, because it's just so quick and easy. And at the end, I have a fully cooked thing. So like, I'm really bad about remembering to take any type of meat out of the freezer in the morning to do dinner. Really yeah, bad. I'm familiar with that problem. <laughs> yeah. All the time, like, oh, I can't do this because I have ADHD. I also suffer from some ADHD tendencies and I don't remember to take the meat out in the morning. And so I love canning because 
if I'm tired at the end of the day or I've forgotten something, I can come in, grab a jar of meat and add it to whatever dish that I'm making. And it's super quick, super simple, and it's already cooked in the jar. So I think meat is one of my favorite things to can, but then I have other favorites that are favorites for different reasons. Like I love making my great, 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 great aunt Debbie's pickles because it's a recipe that's been passed down in my family since the 1800s. And so it has a taste memory for me when I make them. It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of my family. So there's, I have different reasons that I like different, you know, canning, canning recipes, but I'd say meat is one of the ones that is nice and easy. Um, fruits and vegetables always have a lot of prep work to them, right? You're always shucking something or cutting it or deseeding it or doing something to it before you put it in the jar. Those are a little more labor intensive, even green beans, you have to sit and snap. So, um, even though I love having them on the shelves, they're probably my least favorite to do because they take so much prep work. They, yeah. Beans do take a while. If you get a kid on the job at our house, then it yeah. works pretty well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I actually, for green beans have found that we prefer them frozen. Canned is good, but we like the taste of them better out of the freezer. So, and it's easier to do and, you know, not have to use the pressure canner on a hot summer day, but, yeah. but yeah. Okay. I love that. That's a good list. So well, then what would be the hardest thing you think to cook or to pressure can? You think beans is really it? Or is there like a, no, a yeah. Beans are really easy. I think peaches for me is a love hate relationship. <laughs> and sometimes nah, most all the time I am sick of tomatoes. So when we do tomatoes, we do them by the bushel, right? Because I'm yes. making yeah. different tomato products and ketchup and barbecue sauces and sweet and sour. And I, I make all these things. And, and by the end of August, I'm just like over yeah. tomato, yeah. but labor intensive wise peaches, they drive me insane. Cause you got to take the skins yeah. off and then yeah. out, you got to cut them up and they're sticky and they're, you know, yeah. Peaches yeah. are probably my favorite, but boy, do I love a jar of peaches. Oh, it's Yeah. They're highly coveted. I think they found one yeah. on the back of the shelf the other day and they were like, oh, there's peaches in here. And they were all <laughs> flipping out and fighting over the juice. And anyways, so yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's just wrap this up because I think we could go on all night if you would let me, but I have the last question. And this is something that's kind of a little off topic, but I like to ask everyone that I talk to because every walk of life, whether it's farmers or business people or what have you, they all have something different and, but they come together on this one. A lot of times they say the same things, but what is something that you do to take care of yourself, to just rejuvenate, to relax? What you do looks like a lot of work. And I think I want my listeners to know you also know how to relax and take it easy. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Yeah. So I am a bath girl. Yeah. Um, yes. I love to have a bath. <laughs> I love my husband will say, oh my God, you've been in there for two hours. Like <laughs> I love hot water. And if I could figure out a way to get a whirlpool or a sauna or something. Hot tub. Yes, girl. I'm yeah, totally, yeah, I am all over a hot. <laughs> I also enjoy a lot of reading and I enjoy everything from fiction to nonfiction to historical books. I I'm kind of a bookworm. I'm, I'm the kid that was always in trouble. Like it's past your bedtime, Sarah, go to sleep, turn off the light, you know, because I was always reading. Um, and I do really enjoy reading. I also do, um, I like to meditate Good. and normally do that during the day when everybody's kind of away and it's quiet and I can do that. I do like to meditate. I also, this is so dorky. I also like to go to the grocery store and walk around. I love to look at different foods. I love to think, oh my God, <laughs> that, 
preserve it. And sometimes I just walk around. I don't even buy anything, but I like to go see all the different foods. And so, yeah, it's totally nuts, but I am that just, nuts. I mean, a bookstore I could get behind, but at the grocery store, I'm like, oh no. I know people hate the grocery store. But I'm, lights. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, today I went to two different grocery stores just to, yeah, I did get some orange, but just to walk around. <laughs> I also like tabs on like what's short on the shelves and oh, how much going, you know? So I so do like too. observing. It's more like a, like a research project than anything else. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm definitely an observer. That's hilarious. I love it. Okay. Well, everyone, you need to connect with Sarah. You need to find her. If you're on TikTok, you need to find her on TikTok. You need to check out her blog. You can follow her on Instagram. Is there anything else people can, any oh, her Facebook group? I think I just joined your Facebook group. I just requested oh, to join. So I'm excited about that. What else? Great. great group of mods in there um, that really keep on everything and, and a lot of posting in there, a lot of recipe sharing. So it's a really great group. Um, I also have my February and March uh, canning classes that are posted. Yay. It's link on my Instagram and my um, TikTok. And so I've got classes for everybody. There's very beginner classes, water bath canning, beginners classes. I think we're pickling garlic this month. And then I've got some beginners pressure canning classes where I walk over every single step in the canning process. And I do a demo so they can see how the canners work and all the safety of them. And then I have more advanced classes where we actually do some canning recipes that may or may not be approved by the ball blue book, but we do some canning recipes in the advanced classes too. And I think after March and maybe in April, we're starting some prepper courses, which will be just like prepping 101, food, water, shelter, fire, electricity, stuff like that. Emergency preparedness. Very cool. I love that. Okay. Well, as you can see, Sarah is an amazing resource for all things self-sufficiency related. I'm really excited to have had the chance to talk to her in person and to continue to follow along with all the wisdom that she shares. Thank you, Sarah, so much for jumping on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. This was so much fun. There you have it, folks. I hope that this was so, so informative for you and that you'll check out and stay connected with Peelies and Petals. And please, if this was helpful in any way, please share it with someone who might be interested in learning more about canning and preserving and building up their own homestead. It means the world to us for you to help us spread the word about the podcast. And we hope to connect with you again real soon. Have a good one.